What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's guest is Dr. Becky Campbell, who is a functional medicine doctor, um, coming on the show to talk about thyroid. She is also the author of the 30-Day Thyroid Reset Plan, which we are going to get into today. Um, Becky was Dr. Becky Campbell was introduced to me by our good friend Christina Rice, who I have on, on the show. I have been on her show, and Dr. Becky Campbell has actually been on Christina's show as well. So we've kind of all uh, crossed paths, and I'm so glad we did because Dr. Becky Campbell was a wealth of knowledge and, and with a topic that is so widely misunderstood but also misdiagnosed and uh, underdiagnosed, I guess I could say too, because so many people actually suffer with thyroid issues, thyroid diseases, um, and have setbacks with their body physically, with their fat loss, with their muscle gain, with their performance, with their daily energy, with their gut health, with so many things related to hormones because of the thyroid and they have no idea. So the statistics on how many people are actually struggling with some kind of thyroid dysfunction and don't even know it are pretty astonishing. And the the statistics of those who do know is, is as well astonishing because it's so widely common, unfortunately. And Dr. Becky Campbell experienced this firsthand, and she still does to this day, which got her into the um, realm of, of helping people get over their thyroid dysfunction. And she comes on the show today and tells her whole entire story. And then we get into every single thing that you could possibly imagine when it comes to the thyroid. I mean, I ask every question. We talk about training. We talk about nutrition. We talk about macros versus micros. We talk about about sleep. We talk about other hormones. We talk about her book and how you can progress through 30 days of fixing your thyroid specifically. So this podcast is going to be great for anybody who has ever struggled with anything thyroid related, um, anybody who has clients that might be struggling with thyroid issues, which I know if anybody listening to this is a coach and is anything like me or my team, you are definitely experiencing that because I can't tell you how many people have come to our practice asking for help because they are stuck, and the reason they are stuck is because they have some kind of thyroid issue. So it's very, very common. I see it all the time, so I'm glad we got her on the show. But this is also for anybody who wants to avoid having any thyroid issues because one thing we need to remember is that the thyroid is literally attached to almost everything in our body. I'm talking about all these cells, all the hormonal processes, gut health, everything you can think of. The thyroid is kind of the control center behind the machines um, and is really controlling and making sure everything runs properly. So if your thyroid is taking a hit, I mean, your metabolism, your testosterone, most likely your cortisol, your gut health, all these different things are probably going to take a hit as well. So this is very, very important for anybody listening to be aware of and to start implementing these practices specifically. So before I go on any further and talk about exactly what we're going to get into on the show, let's get on with it. Uh, Before I do... Just a quick reminder, guys, there's two ways you can help me grow this podcast, reach more people, and help more people. So if you want to be part of the mission that is out to help as many people as possible, please go leave us a five-star rating and review. And then next, please take a screenshot of this show right now, post it on Instagram, either on your story or your newsfeed. If you like the episode, tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom and tag at Dr. Becky Campbell, one word. I'm also going to link that in the show notes so you guys can go check her out. But tag us in the story, tag us in the post. We want to see who's listening and we want to know how we're helping you guys and if there's any other way that we can help you in any way, shape, or form. So feel free to reach out. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to this awesome interview with Dr. Becky Campbell. All right, Dr. Becky Campbell, I am super fired up to have you here. As I mentioned before we actually got started, um, I think this is a perfect, you're the perfect person to actually come on the show because I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people now and so many of them come down with 
um, some kind of issue with their thyroid, whether we're talking about hyper or hypothyroidism, or they're just curious if they have thyroid issues, or they have symptoms of having uh, issues with their thyroid, and they have no idea what's going on. Um, so it's great to have a specialist come on the show and actually break that down for us. So before we go any further, though, um, can you just give us a kind of your story in a nutshell, like how you got into all this functional medicine and everything like that? Sure. So I was in school and I just started feeling really, really exhausted, um, you know, more tired than just the fact that I was studying all the time and, you know, just not sleeping enough. It was different. It was like a, just something I couldn't shake. And I gained about 30 pounds out of nowhere. And I had always been thin. I mean, you know, never really had an issue with that. And I was working out six days a week and um, you know, eating well and, and all that. So it didn't really make any sense why this weight gain came on so much so suddenly. And I started losing my hair and um, noticing I, you know, my feet were cold all the time and, you know, just kind of feeling different. So I didn't know much about the thyroid at all. I didn't even know these were thyroid, you know, hypothyroid symptoms, but I went to a doctor, my thyroid labs were in what they called in range. So they said I had no issue with my thyroid. There was nothing wrong. My blood work, you know, looked good, which it's very limited what they actually <laughs> test you for. But, you know, they told me it looked good. And so, you know, there was really nothing that they could do. I went from specialist to specialist to specialist. Nobody had any answers. So I finally found a, you know, a holistic practice, um, you know, back then it really wasn't so much called functional medicine, I guess. So this was probably, this was at least 10 years ago. Um, and so they did a much bigger thyroid panel on me and found out I did have hypothyroidism. And um, at the time I was not uh, diagnosed as Hashimoto's. And then they did some testing with my gut and my adrenals and, you know, viruses and stuff and just kind of looking for not only did I have a thyroid issue, but what else was A, causing my thyroid to do what it was doing, but also causing my symptoms. And through, you know, putting me on a specific diet and, you know, treating all the issues that they found on those tests, I completely got better. So I knew, I mean, I knew people who felt like this and I knew that there had to be tons of people who felt like this and weren't getting answers. So that's when I really started to dive into functional medicine and studied it for years and years. And, you know, I'm still learning because there's just so much, but, um, you know, that's kind of where this all came from. I mean, I work with so many conditions, but thyroid is what I work with the most. And I think it's A, because that's my story, but also B, because so many people have thyroid issues or at least have the symptoms of thyroid issues that could be something different. How, how connected is the thyroid to everything else? You know, I've heard people talk about how the thyroid is connected to every other hormone or every other cell in the body. Um, do you find people who think they have something completely different and it's kind of stems back to being the thyroid or, or how connected is all this? It's the thyroid really controls almost everything. Um, so it's extremely important. And this is why symptoms are so random. You know, they're all over the body because, you know, constipation, hair loss, weight gain, they're just all over the body because that's where we need thyroid hormone in all of the cells. Um, so I think that, yes, people are diagnosed with so many different issues that are really thyroid related. But I also think that a lot of people 
there are some, not a lot, but sometimes people think that they have a thyroid issue when it's not, and it's something else too. What, what scenarios are those? Is that something, would it be like PCOS or anything like that? Well, like adrenal issues, you know, adrenal issues can cause thyroid issues and thyroid issues can cause adrenal issues, but they have a lot of the same symptoms. So if someone's gaining weight and they're really tired and they have brain fog, they're, they may think they have a thyroid issue, but it's really not. It could be an issue with cortisol. So, you know, I look at all of that just to figure out exactly what's going on, where it's all coming from. And then I make a treatment plan based on whatever it is, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's, and you can mention the PDF that we kind of talked about before, because I think that's going to be a great resource, but um, what should people be looking for? Should they go get tested? And you kind of mentioned like you got tested and they said, oh no, your thyroid's fine. Turns out it wasn't fine. So how can people avoid that? So this is exactly what I made this PDF for because the conventional medicine lab ranges are too wide. So people are, are getting diagnosed way too late when there's been so much destruction to their thyroid that they are almost at the point of the, where they kind of have to be on medication. But if you look at the functional medicine lab range, it's much tighter. So we, you know, diagnose things earlier and start working on the underlying triggers of it. And then most people that I work with, if I catch it early, don't ever have to go on medication. So you want to look, you know, a full thyroid panel. They're doing just TSH or just TSH and T4 free, which doesn't make any sense because T, you know, free T4 is not even active. It's not a usable form of thyroid hormone. So really you want to look at TSH free and total T4, free and total T3, which is the active form of thyroid hormone. You want to look at, look at reverse T3, and then you want to look at the antibodies. So that's thyroglobulin antibodies and thyroid peroxidase antibodies. Have, yeah, do you have a place where you recommend people going to get these tests? I know nowadays you can do a lot of tests like blood tests online and saliva tests and all these different things for hormones. Um, do you have a brand or like the Dutch test or anything like that that you recommend yeah. versus just going to your general doctor? Yeah. So, well, unfortunately your general doctor typically won't test you for that. So I, I send patients for blood work for full, not only thyroid panel, but just as you know, much as I can really think of it, what they would need on blood. And then, yeah, so I use the Dutch test when it comes to adrenals and sex hormones and organic acids. I mean, the Dutch test is amazing. So it's definitely one of the go-to tests that I use. Okay, perfect. I'll link that in the show notes as well. Um, how common is this? Like, do you, like, do you have a percentage or a ratio or like how many people should actually be worrying or just curious if they possibly have this? And I know it's more common in women, but just as a whole, like how common is thyroid disease? Well, it's, about 25 million Americans have it. So it's pretty, and that's, you know, about 60% of them are undiagnosed. So it's pretty common. <laughs> um, it's about a seven-ish to one, you know, female to male ratio, but I have definitely worked with men who have it. So, you know, I think that if you aren't feeling yourself, you've got to start figuring out why, because your, your body's telling you something's wrong, whether it's your thyroid or not. A thi the thyroid is a good place to start because it's like I, you know, like we just talked about, it's very common. So in the end, if you catch it early, it's a whole new world than catching it really late as far as, you know, what, what you can expect for your future. 
Right. So we, in the coaching space that I'm in, we talk about biofeedback quite a bit and something we track on a pretty regular basis, you know, just simple things like sleep, mood, stress, cravings, hunger, stuff like that, sex uh, drive. What symptoms should people be really keeping an eye on for the thyroid specifically to kind of give them that signal of like, okay, I need to go get this checked out or I got to get the Dutch test or whatever it may be. So for hypothyroidism, it's going to be more of a slowing down process. So weight gain, constipation, um, feeling cold, you know, especially if your hands and feet are always cold, like you're always having to put socks on, hair is coming out, um, your, you know, sometimes depression, anxiety, brain fog, and then hyperthyroidism is going to be more um, things speeding up. So you're going to be hot. You're going to be going to the bathroom too much. You're going to be losing weight and you can fluctuate in and out of both with Hashimoto's. You know, Hashimoto's is the autoimmune disease for hypothyroidism and about 90 to 97% of all hypothyroid patients have Hashimoto's. So most likely if you have hypothyroidism, you have Hashimoto's. So some people get confused. They kind of go in and out of hyper and hypothyroidism, but it's, due to having Hashimoto's. Okay. And how, what makes that difference as far as what makes people get Hashimoto's versus hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism? So Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease. So when you have an autoimmune disease, it's an immune system issue. It's not specifically a thyroid, it's not really a thyroid issue. It's more an immune system issue causing the thyroid issue. So that can be poor gut health because most of the immune system lies in the gut. You know, leaky gut is a very big cause of autoimmune disease. Um, you know, adrenal issues, stress, you know, all these different things, viruses, Epstein-Barr virus. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, people talking now about Epstein-Barr virus. You know, it settles in different organs depending on what stage it is. You know, you always have the virus kind of lying dormant or it's kind of flared up. But there's different stages. And in one of the stages, it can settle in different organs. And a lot of times it likes to settle in the thyroid. So there's different causes. I mean, there's, there, it's hard to say, you know, everyone's different. It's, that's kind of why I do so much testing on each person. It's not only can I find out what they have, but why do they have it? Got it. Okay. So moving into like treatments, um, and I want, I want to really deep dive into the book for the majority of the talk, but, um, I'm curious of like how you begin to actually, before we even go there, um, I, I have one more question on, on just it coming about, is it genetic? Is it something that we're doing with our environment? Is it stress related? Is it overtraining? Like what is it that is causing this to become more and more frequent in our society today? I think it's all of that. I mean, genetics play maybe a 25% role. So if you have, you know, the genetic predisposition to have Hashimoto's, but everything else is right, you may never, ever turn that gene on. But if you have the gene and you're eating bad and you have poor gut health and you're exposed to environmental toxins and you're using cosmetics that have, you know, xenoestrogens in it that are causing your hormones to be out of balance and you're drinking out of plastic bottles doing the same thing, that is going to make you more likely to have an issue with this. But there's plenty of people who are healthy and they don't do any of that stuff and it still happens. But it's, it's more likely to happen if you know, all of those things are kind of working together. 
So how important are those little tiny things? Cause you know, like the plastic bottle things is a great example where um, when people learned about the BPA, like it was like a big thing. And then there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, it's just, that's such a small piece of the equation. Don't worry about it. Sleep more. You know, how important are these little things like that? I think it's really important. I mean, I think that if you look at the makeup companies, so many people now are putting on their label what they what is not in there anymore because they're finding that these chemicals really do play a big role in hormone balance. Um, you know, sleeping is a sleeping is probably one of the most important things you can you know make sure you have going on. That's you know you're getting the right amount of sleep and you're getting deep sleep and all that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really important. All these things are really important, but it's, it depends on each person. So like if someone pushes toxins out really efficiently, they may not be affected as bad by, you know, the chemicals that other people aren't. So I, it, there's just a lot of things that come into play for each person as to what their body is going to do. Got it. Okay. And when we are classifying the difference between hyper and hypothyroidism, is one or the other more common than um, the other? Because hypo way more. Okay. Is there any reason for that? I don't really know. I mean, not not that I haven't really researched that specifically. I just know that I see hypo a lot more. Okay. So when we start digging into um, fixing this issue, my first question would be, can you reverse it to the point where people can stop taking medication? And if you can, is there kind of like an estimated timeline that you have on that? Or is it just kind of dependent on how long they've been living with this without doing anything about it? So a perfect example is me. So I have Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, but I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism first without being diagnosed with with Hashimoto's. And I went on armor and then, which is a, a T4 and T3 thyroid hormone replacement. I went on it for a little while and then started working on the gut and the adrenals and cha- you know, took gluten out of my diet and changed the way I was exercising. And my numbers went back into range. I got off the medication, they stayed in range. Then after my first child, because pregnancy definitely can cause like a reactivation, I went back into hypothyroidism but very, very briefly, went on armor for maybe three months, got off of it, that was it. So then I've stayed, you know what I mean? You, and it depends again on the person. I have Hashimoto's, but I don't have hypothyroidism, but it's because of all the things I do. I make sure my gut's healthy, I make sure I'm sleeping, I'm eating right all the time, doing the right types of exercise. So those, this is exactly why I wrote this book, because you need to know all of these things that are triggering you And if you're handling all of them, you can go into remission and you can stay there. And then certain things may happen. Stressful events, you know, are really a big cause of of it kind of surfacing again. But then you'll know what to do to get back to where you need to be. And then some people, they've been diagnosed way too late and they've been on Synthroid for 25 years and they really can't expect to get off of Synthroid but they can still manage their disease much, much better if they're putting all this into place. And usually they can lower the dose a lot too, because otherwise you're increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. Right. And that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> okay. So and when we talk about these triggers of what's causing it, you mentioned training a couple of times. So I'm definitely curious of, um, and I think I know the answer, but I know my listeners are going to want to know what causes this out of training. But the first question of triggers would be, 
I guess, quantity and like calories and macronutrients versus quality of food and micronutrients, because there's kind of like these two camps of, um, you know, if you're under eating and you're overtraining or you're just taxing your body, you're going to have these issues with your hormones. Um, or if you're eating a bunch of processed food, if you're eating artificial foods, um, you're going to have these issues and it's not about calories, it's not about macros. I think it obviously probably lies somewhere in the middle, but I'm obviously curious of what your recommendation and what you found in the research. I really try to do thyroid supporting foods, um, taking foods out that are going to cause inflammation in the body because Hashimoto's is an inflammatory disease. Um, you know, taking foods out like gluten that are going to cause actual, you know, it's, it's molecular mimicry. Your body thinks that the, your thyroid is the gluten because they're so similar in makeup. Mm. And so your body's actually attacking your thyroid more and more the more gluten you eat. So plus gluten can cause leaky gut. So I think it's about taking those certain things out that are really going to always be a problem for someone with thyroid issues. And then adding foods like healthy fats, you know, fermented foods that support the gut, foods high in selenium, you know, that kind of balance um, to really just support the thyroid and support the immune system, which is in the gut, rather than even needing to kind of count calories, macros, micros, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, there's obviously the people who have like celiac, where if you touch gluten, you know that you probably shouldn't be touching that. Um, do you see people with thyroid issues who are eating gluten and don't get a specific allergic or intolerant response? So they kind of are clueless that gluten is having an effect on their thyroid? Oh my gosh, all the time. Yeah. But then once we remove it, they usually dramatically change. Um, and it's just symptoms they didn't realize were associated because it can be brain fog. I mean, it doesn't, your stomach could feel fine. And it could be, a, you know, gluten could be a big problem for you. So I either have two scenarios. Someone will come to me having no idea about gluten, what it is, that it should be removed, that it affects the thyroid. We remove it and they feel great. Or someone will come to me and they'll say, I removed gluten for six months and I didn't see any difference and now I eat it again. But it's just one piece of the puzzle. So it may not change at all how you feel, but it's still a very important piece of the puzzle. That, that really needs to be, you know, remain out of the diet. And I'm, I'm sure you see this too, but I see a lot where people don't notice symptoms. And then this is why I encourage elimination processes so much, because once you do remove it and you stay consistent with that for a while and you come back to eating whatever that was, that's when you're like, holy shit, this feels yeah. horrible. Now I can feel the symptoms because not feeling good. It was actually like kind of like their new norm. Yeah, exactly. Or and it happens with gluten, it happens so much with sugar because so many people eat so much sugar, their body kind of gets used to and they just feel like crap all the time and that's just how they feel. But then they start to feel good and they're like, oh, this is what feeling good is. And then they'll be like, oh, I had you know cake at a friend's house and I felt terrible for two days after. And I'm like, I know, that's, that's how you felt all the time. You just didn't realize it. Yeah. So, Do you find that, um, and is there like research to kind of back this up that Let's say for somebody like me who doesn't have a thyroid issue per se, I should still be avoiding gluten because it still is impacting my hormones and, and different things in my body. I believe so. You know, gluten consumption increases zonulin. Zonulin increases the permeability of our gut. So that creates what's known as leaky gut. So leaky gut is an open doorway to autoimmune disease. So in my opinion, I don't think anybody should eat gluten. 
a lot of people would argue <laughs> with that, but it's just what I think. I mean, I, I've seen such dramatic results of people keeping gluten out of their diet that you know, with, with uh, my, many other issues, not just thyroid issues, that I just think it's one thing you just shouldn't eat. Well, and it's kind of one of those things too that um, what's the benefit of doing it, right? So right. why not no keep it up? No value in gluten whatsoever. Yeah. So going back to the calories and macros thing, um, because like I mentioned before, we work with a lot of people who are specifically focused on performance, fat loss, or building muscle. That's kind of our niche. Um, how important is, we preach not under eating because we know there's a lot of consequences that comes when you deprive yourself of food and calories for an extended period of time. Does this have like, let's say you were eating really clean, you're eating whole foods, a lot of nutrient dense foods, the right foods, and you're taking out sugar, you're taking out gluten, but you're still barely eating enough food to really sustain your hormonal process, everything. Are we still going to see the same exact issues? Yeah. I mean, I think that you definitely need to be eating enough, whether, you know, depending on what your goals are, obviously there's different amounts that you should eat for that, but under eating is one of the worst things you can do. And I think one of the biggest things I see with that is fatigue and hair loss. And if you have a thyroid issue, those are your two <laughs> biggest symptoms, then yeah, it's definitely important not to, not to under eat at all. You know, I really, and, and one thing too, that I've really found with thyroid patients specifically is they do better on the eat every few hours type of um, diet, you know, rather than something like um, intermittent fasting. It's just they, they do better eating like every three hours, you know. So in my book, I have, you know, three meals a day, but I also talk about snacks, you know, because you, for, for people with thyroid issues, it seems to me what I've noticed and what I've read and what I've heard Chris Kresser talk about, who I think is great, you know, really follow what he says, um, is that people with thyroid issues really need to do that like every couple of hours eating. Do you think that's a uh, cortisol response? Just because like, as we know, inter intermittent fasting can be a stress on your body in and of itself. It has good benefits, but for people who are high cortisol, might not be the best thing. Do you think that is related? Yeah, I do. I do think it, it can be related to that. And another thing that I think is important for people with thyroid issues are carbs. Not, I'm not like a carb heavy type of person because most people honestly have gut issues that come to me and carbs make them bloat and feel bad. Um, but if you, if you don't eat any carbs, when you have a thyroid issue, that's another, again, another issue, you can lose that conversion of T4 to T3. So that's really important. And that's, again, you know, I do put people on low carb plans while I'm working on their gut if I have to, but it's just temporary you know, after that, I put them back up, you know, with, with healthy carbs, not like whole wheat pasta, yeah. but you know, cassava, sweet potatoes, you know, what, what they can eat that doesn't affect their gut in a negative way. I love it. That was actually going to be my next thing is, is asking you about carbs because I've read a lot about um, carbs having a beneficial effect on the thyroid. Um, and yeah. I think low carb diets are so popular and, and ketogenic diets are so popular now that, um, and I guess that's another great question. Do you feel like people are more likely to get these thyroid issues because they've followed a chronically low carb diet just because it's what the media tells them to do to lose weight? I think that people can get low T3 syndrome from that more than maybe full blown like Hashimoto's. Um, where, so basically where they're just not converting T4 to T3 and, 
which it can be fixed with adding carbs or fixing the gut or supporting the liver, you know, whatever the cause of that is. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, most people don't come to me eating real low carb or most people who have done it don't stay that way because they just don't feel good that way. Um, so I, I don't really know, you know, I don't know if that could be the cause. Okay. And the reason I ask is because we see so many people that come to us and they're just barely eating any carbs because they think it's bad for them. Right. And it's just be teaching them more awareness of a balanced diet and what is important for all these different things. Um, one thing I really wanted to ask you about is iodine and salt, you know, like low sodium diets were a big thing for a while. And there's a lot of information that says, you know, you should have iodized salt because that does help the thyroid. And, and we know as performance enthusiasts, like for training, you just need sodium in your diet. Otherwise you're not going to have pumps. You're not going to perform well, not going to cover, stay hydrated. Do you implement any of that into your patients, into your clients, um, protocols? And is it important for people to be aware of? Yeah. So, um, I think that, you know, iodine is also in, you know, like dairy. And so most people that I work with, I'm not, they're not eating dairy. So there really can be a deficiency in iodine. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, Hashimoto's, you should never take iodine as a supplement because it can inflame you. And that's typically with a selenium deficiency. So I literally address this entire issue in the book because I think it's important. You know, we do need iodine, but you can test for iodine deficiency. You know, if you, you can be getting iodine from food and you may not need to take iodine. Um, and for people who do need to, I just always try to make sure they're eating enough selenium rich foods and, you know, something more like a kelp flakes or kelp type of supplements rather than like iodorol. Um, which is an iodine supplement that I've seen very bad reactions from. I've seen other doctors putting them on iodorol and then they get like a huge lump in, in their thyroid and you can see it sticking out of their neck. I mean, so you have to be careful. You have to watch for stuff. You know, if you do have Hashimoto's and you start to have trouble swallowing or, you know, notice some swelling in there, if you're taking any type of iodine supplement, you need to stop. And you really should work with someone to see if you actually even need it. Got it. So I want to touch on the training too, before we get into the book, I, I feel like I have so many different questions that I want to ask you about because it's such a common topic. Um, but when you were going through this personally, and then obviously what you see in your patients and your clients and stuff like that, um, what was the biggest issue with training that was causing the issues with the thyroid or just exacerbating it? So just making it worse. So I had really high cortisol and I didn't know that. And so my training was intense. And the more intense my training, the, the bigger I was getting, like heavier, not muscular. Um, and I didn't understand why. And so what most people will do is try training harder and training harder. And I was having, then I was getting exercise intolerance where I was just literally feeling terrible. I mean, I would go home and just like pass out after exercising. And, you know, I should have just known, hey, this isn't right. You know, this isn't normal. But so I actually, it, it wasn't until I got shin splints that I had to stop training so hard. And I started doing Pilates and yoga, which, I, which is really boring to me. So it's hard for me to do that. <laughs> and then I started to lose weight. And I was like, what is going on? So basically what was happening was, you know, with the intense training, I was raising my cortisol even more. And so I needed to, at that time, be doing something more calming to my body 
And that's why I responded better to that. So I think that I actually go through two phases of training in the book where if you're really acute, if you're really fatigued and you are training really hard and you know doing CrossFit or whatever you're doing and it's making you feel very depleted afterwards, you shouldn't be doing that. And you should be doing something, you know, swimming, biking, walking, yoga, whatever makes you feel good afterwards. And then once your body has had time to heal and your adrenals are really supported and you feel much stronger and you're not fatigued anymore, then you can try, you know, whatever it is that you like, hit, Tabata, CrossFit, you know, a lot of times you can modify CrossFit too. So, um, you know, I think weight training is pretty neutral. Um, for most people, you can do weight training in either phase as long as you don't feel really worn out afterwards. But it really does kind of depend on what your cortisol levels are at at the time. I love hearing that from you because there's a lot of people in my industry that talk about everything is calories in versus calories out. Everything else is an excuse. Like you just, you don't have a calorie balance. You're not tracking your macros right. Like you just need to train harder, burn more calories. And you literally just broke down you just busted that myth because you said like I did less and I lost more weight and it's so tied into hormones. And I think people are just missing that. They are. It's, it really, really is. And the great thing is that your body is going to tell you your body with, with exercise, a hundred percent, your body will tell you if you should be doing it or not. And if you feel bad after your exercise, you should, it's not the right thing for you to do at the time. Yeah. And this is, that's exactly why in our coaching practice, we record daily stress, daily sleep, performance, fatigue, motivation to go to the gym, all those different things. Because if you're not tracking it, then you don't know if it's right for you. Right. Even your thoughts play a role, right? Like the way that you're thinking that day or that, you know, obviously stress levels are huge. I mean, for every problem we can have, but it's so great that you guys are doing that because people tend to have like a one track mind, like, I'm going to train you with this. And this is the only thing we're going to focus on. And even with functional medicine, we're going to work on just your biochemistry. Well, what about like, you know, meditation and getting outside and getting fresh air and hanging out with friends and socializing, like all things that really matter and they all affect our hormone levels and how we feel. And it, it, there's so many different things that have to line up to, to really get you where you need to be with health. Yeah. It's funny too, because people are surprised when I tell them this, but um, one of the two biggest key indicators I look for when I know to like deload somebody's training or kind of give them a diet break or like let's calm down on things is actually your mood and your motivation level. Because if those things start to fall or tank, then I know that that's actually the best sign for us to actually pull back and stop going so hard. When most people just look at like, oh, I stopped making progress in the gym. I'm not adding weight to the bar. And it's like, okay, that matters, but it might not be everything. Um, and I think it's interesting that you talked about relaxation. I just had a recovery specialist come on the show and they did a bunch of studies and all this research. And he was like, one of the best ways to enhance recovery is actually have social support, um, affection from a loved one, just chill out every once in a while. And I was like, just mind blown, right? Like everybody wants to talk about ice baths and compression, compression pants, but in reality, like you need to chill out. <laughs> I know. I think that it matters more than anything. It's crazy. So um, I want to, go into the book now, but I think that we, I probably should ask you this at the very, very beginning. If you can just give a basic description, because I know what we're talking about here, but in case a listener doesn't, like you mentioned, the thyroid is the control center. It's kind of like in, in charge of everything. Can you explain exactly what it is and why you consider it the control center? 
Well, it affects, you know, we, we have cells and we need thyroid hormone in those cells to make them function properly. So we, it controls cardiovascular system, GI system, you know, our brain, everything. So it's, it's so, so important that your thyroid levels are where the, they should be because then things are going to start to not function properly. Um, you know, it's just a little gland that sits in front of your neck and it has all this power. <laughs> <laughs> so it has a, uh, I know it has, I'm a, I believe it has a pretty big effect on your metabolism and that can probably affect somebody's uh, rate of weight loss. And then does it also have a pretty big um, neurological component like on your nervous system? Yeah, it does. It has in every system in the body. It does. So it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's probably something we should look at. So many people get so much brain fog with, um, you know, if you're not getting enough thyroid hormone in your cells, you're and it's affecting your neurological symptoms. You're going to get some neurological symptoms, or if it's affecting your neurological system, you're going to get neurological symptoms like brain fog, fatigue. Um, you know, anything, you could even get gait disturbances. I mean, it really just depends on how severe it is. Yeah. So in your book, your book is called the 30 day thyroid reset. Is this a step-by-step process? Can you kind of like just break down how people can expect to go through the book and what they can expect to learn and what needs to happen? Yeah. So what I did was I wanted to make a book where People who can't, you know, afford to, or for whatever reason, can't work with someone one-on-one walking them through what to do. This was what I do with my patients the first four weeks that I see the biggest change. So it's one, educating you on, you know, what the thyroid is, what it controls, what it does, um, you know, what affects it. And then it's also a plan of, okay, now this is what you're going to do. You know, going back to the foods that support the thyroid. Um, taking out foods that don't support it, doing specific types of exercise, depending on where you are, taking those chemical, you know, skincare products and cosmetics out of your daily um, routine and what you can do instead. I even give you do-it-yourself recipes on how to make stuff. Um, You know, so it's a food plan. And then there's, if after the 30 days, you either go one or two ways. If you're getting better, you then start introducing certain things. And I tell you how to do that. If you're getting, not getting better, you start taking more things out and I tell you exactly how to do that. So it's that, but then it's also looking into the seven biggest triggers that I find in my practice that are keeping people sick. So the gut, the adrenals, viruses, heavy metals, you know, food intolerances, you know, going through all of that. So it's really, you know, I really wanted people to understand this more And unfortunately, no one's really explaining anything to them when they go even get diagnosed. Um, So I really wanted people to understand like, yes, you have a thyroid issue. Now let's look here also. It's not just about taking your medication and going on your way with little to no results. There's a lot we can do and this is where you need to look. So it's kind of just broken down like that. I love it because one thing we always say is education builds compliance. And basically what we're saying with that is if we educate our clients, they're more likely to be consistent. And I think that's, what's probably missing in that typical medical care is like, here's your medication. I'll see you in a month. Right. And there's no education behind what they need to do. A lot of them don't even know themselves. You know, they don't know how to tell them to change their diet. They don't know what their diet should be, or they don't believe that, you know? 
So it's, it's really no guidance whatsoever. And then they're, you know, coming to me saying, why are they increasing my medication? It's been increased, you know, three or four times. And it's because if you have Hashimoto's, even if you're taking your thyroid meds, your the destruction, your thyroid's still happening. So you've got to get to the gut for that. And no one's explaining this to them and no one's checking on that. So they're still having the destruction is going on and they're still depleting more and more and more. What do you think are some of the biggest uh, kind of bang for your buck things that people can do to help the gut issue? You know, probiotics is a big thing now and there's so many different strains of probiotics. Some probiotics have one strain, some have millions and all these different variations. Like what do you recommend in that case? And what do you think is actually the best way for people to start optimizing their gut to improve these things? So obviously the best I'm going to say is testing because so many people think they have candida and they don't. And then they do these crazy candida protocols and they're not getting better. And, you know, they've spent who knows how much money on supplements. So if you can test, I would definitely do that. And then working with someone who can make you a specific protocol for exactly what you have, because a candida protocol may be different than a SIBO protocol. So someone who's checking all that, if you can't do that, then, you know, fermented foods, if you tolerate them well, if you don't, you will know right away. If, so if you tolerate them well, adding as much of that as you can, because that's a natural probiotic. It's not having to take a supplement for that. Um, you know, antimicrobial foods like garlic are good. Um, it, that's kind of a general, like that can kill anything, you know. Um, I really like uh, the supplement uh, Loracidin. It's really good. It's an antiviral, antibacterial, antiparasite, antifungal. So those are maybe the more neutral things you can do that won't mess you up in any other areas if you don't have, you know, an issue. Um, So really just, you know, it's a lot about what you're putting in your mouth too. But, you know, probiotics are tough. Some people don't do well with probiotics at all. Some people have histamine intolerance and they can't stand anything fermented. And so they'll take probiotics and they're bloated. They look like they're six months pregnant and constipated. So I don't really just generally just say, hey, everyone should just take probiotics. Um, I think if you take a probiotic and you feel good, that's great. But I think if you take a probiotic and you feel bad, you probably have a gut infection. Right. Look for <laughs> so those signs. Yeah. So besides fermented foods, are there any foods that people should be really trying to include in their diet that most people aren't that are going to, that's going to affect us in a positive way? Or is it more of just like, let's eliminate all these bad ones? I think you should eliminate the bad stuff, but I think focusing on what you should eat is a healthier way to do it. Um, A lot of people have like a block when you tell them to focus on what they shouldn't eat. So I say, don't eat these, but look at all the stuff you can eat. And we kind of try to work from there. So, I mean, fat, I think is very important for your body. You know, a lot of people stay away from fat thinking that they're going to gain weight, but it's really important, you know, wild caught fish and avocado and coconut oil, which is also, you know, an antiviral, antibacterial. Um, It's, it's just, it's got a really, a lot of really good properties. So kind of focusing on, what's good and nourishing to your body, you know, grass fed meats and, you know, organic chicken, turkey, whatever, um, you know, you like kind of as far as that goes, leafy greens, you know, just putting, I like fruit, but I don't think people should eat too much fruit. You know, it's still sugar and 
it can cause an issue and some people don't metabolize sugar well and, um, you know, diabetics eating a bunch of fruit is a terrible idea. So I actually give a fructose chart in the book and tell you how much fructose you should kind of be looking at per day. Um, just, you know, seeing how you do within those ranges. So I think just, you know, focusing on, you know, I, another thing I put in the book is um, the clean 15 and the dirty dozen, you know, some people get upset, they don't want to buy organic. And, you know, there's a lot of food you don't have to buy organic. And then there's foods that you really should buy organic. So just kind of putting it all together like that and focusing on the good things that you can have and nourish your body with are going to be give you the best results for sure. I like that it's still pretty, I mean, there's a lot going on here, but it's still pretty simple, right? Like eat real food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like don't buy gluten-free products, everyone, because I said not to eat gluten. Yeah. <laughs> eat real right. food and it won't have gluten in it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Now, are you, I know you mentioned one supplement so far. Are you pretty much trying to steer your clients towards like, let's just do this whole food approach? Or are there supplements that you recommend people taking? Like, for example, fish oil, because people are low in omega-3s or vitamin D is another one of those. Um, are there any that you still recommend? Are you pretty strict about like, let's just try to get as much of this from food? I think you should do as much as you can with food. But I also, I mean, I have my own supplement line. So I definitely do promote supplements. Um, you know, I think actually with Hashimoto's, people can have a harder time absorbing vitamin D and vitamin D is really important to support the immune system. So definitely vitamin D, if you can get enough from just taking cod liver oil, then you get your fish oils and your vitamin D. And some people are okay with that. And some people need to add a, an actual vitamin D supplement. Um, I am huge into liver support. I start every one of my patients on my Optimal Reset Cleanse. Because it's so important when you're trying to balance hormones. It's one of the biggest jobs that the liver has. And, you know, think about all the, th the things that we're taking in, the foods and the environmental toxins. Our liver, you know, it, it's, this is all very taxing on the liver. So in the very beginning, along with the meal plan, I have every one of my patients on that cleanse. And that's where they feel the best. Once they get their diet changed, they get their liver supported, they feel so much better. I love it. So I want to, I want to finish with a few um, questions where I'm just really curious about your opinion on these things. Um, obviously okay. we, we preach kind of a similar thing of like balance is probably better. Like nobody should be on a low fat or a low carb or uh, completely excluding this unless it's processed sugar, like balance is probably best. Um, but there's a lot of, I don't even know if they would be considered fads, but diets who strictly put you into one camp. So I'm curious about your opinions on those. Um, the first one, uh, vegan or vegetarian, do you find that this is a bigger issue with thyroid or um, you know, what is missing in those diets and, and how do you approach that? Yeah, so I think that a lot of vegans are probably the most unhealthy people I see will come into my practice, to be honest, like as far as nutrient deficiencies coming wow. in. and. That's surprising because you think, wow, they're eating a ton of veggies and fruit. They're getting a, a bunch of nutrients, but they are really low in B vitamins usually, where, which are essential, and they can be really low in iron. So that's you know, also going to contribute to thyroid symptoms. So I definitely don't recommend a vegan diet for, I really don't recommend it for anybody. I think that the studies that have been done and the, you know, these Netflix documentaries that have been done on the vegan and vegetarian diets are looking at meat that is highly processed with antibiotics and 
hormones fed to the cows. So of course the meat is not going to affect you in a good way. That's why we stress grass fed and organic because you don't want to get the extra hormones and antibiotics. So I think that animal protein is really important for the body. And it's really, really important for balancing blood sugar too, which blood sugar balance is everything. You know, it can really affect any, any issue that you have, especially the thyroid. I'm glad um, you mentioned the Netflix thing too, because it's just like taking it so out of oh, context. I know. It's crazy. It's so, so maddening. <laughs> Did you uh, happen to listen to, you said you're a Chris Kresser fan. Did you listen to the debate on Joe Rogan's podcast with him and the other I guy? Did. Yeah, I did. And I didn't get to listen to all of it yet, but I did listen to about half of it. I thought it was really good. Yeah. I mean, he just knows his stuff. He just knows, like, you know, if he says something that it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and it was good because he's so respectful about things that it's like, it's not like bashing anybody for right. anything. It's right. Just- and it's like, it would have been embarrassing for his side if he wasn't the way he is, but he is, he's, he is very respectful. So yeah. So the next one, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this at all. I assume you have had to have heard of it. Um, the carnivore diet. What are your thoughts on that? The complete opposite Uh, end of the spectrum. Yeah. I, I don't think that, um, you know, here's what I think. I think that everyone is different and everyone responds differently to food. And there are different diets for different purposes that people may do really well with. So there isn't really no one size fits all um, when it comes to diets. But I think that the principles of only eating veggies and only eating meats, I think you need to be more balanced than that. You know, so I think you you do need to add, you know, different types of foods to your diet so that you can get the different types of nutrients and amino acids and, you know, that your body needs. So I personally wouldn't do the carnivore diet, but I do, we have a mutual friend actually who does do that sometimes and she feels really good on it. But it's, it's, I think if someone has a lot going on with their gut, then they are going to feel good on that, but not forever. I don't think it's something that should be used forever, maybe as a tool to get you through a certain period, but definitely not something that you should do all the time. And do you think that this is more because when you do a carnivore diet, you're actually eliminating a lot of other things and you usually are implementing some kind of intermittent fasting involved too, because they usually don't eat all day, every day. And those are the two things that are actually helping the gut and autoimmune related issues. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that I, well, I think that what's helping the gut mostly is that they're not eating a bunch of carbs. And carbs feed gut infections. They feed bacteria. They feed yeast. They feed parasites. So it, a lot of people with gut infections do really bad with carbs. And so it's something that doesn't mean they should never eat carbs. It means you should handle the reason why they're not tolerating that. And whatever you need to do temporarily to make them feel good diet-wise is fine, but it's, it needs to be then balanced out again after Right. Okay. So the last one is the, if it fits your macros group, and this is basically saying that as long as you get your calories, you're fine. And I think that this is obviously you're going to be, you can't just eat Twinkies and Oreos all day and just, I mean, you can lose weight, unfortunately, because calories do matter, but, and they've shown that, but my thing is that there's a lot of people that also say, you know, they've done these studies that show people pretty much eat whatever they want. And as long as their calories are controlled and they lose the weight, all their blood markers and, and health markers are actually still okay when they go get tested. And the hard part to debunk these people is that 
they actually do blood tests and some of them are fine. But if you go behind the scenes, a lot of them feel like shit. So um, my question to you is just what's your opinion and what do you think is really going on here? I think that the quality of your food is everything. So I think if you're eating those hundred calorie snack packs, that's ridiculous. Like that is inflammation in a bag. It's, it's in, going to inflame your body. And some people are genetic freaks where they can like smoke till they're a hundred and drink every day and eat crap their whole lives. And they're, they feel fine. But most people, that's not the way it is. And most people are going to get inflamed by bad food and processed food. And inflammation is at the root of all disease, I think. So I think that that is ridiculous. Their calorie does not equal a calorie. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I think it's the hard part is that Instagram shows a lot of ripped people eating in and out burgers. And those people are genetic freaks. They're the 1% of people and they can get away with it. And unfortunately, they have hundreds of thousands of followers and people see that and they think that that's what they can do. Right. But they look good on the outside, but it doesn't mean that they look good on the inside, you know? Yeah. And I work with a lot of people who look like that and they're so sick. They feel terrible yeah. and they're really inflamed because they're usually overtraining and then they're eating bad. So hundred percent agree. I actually did a physique show where I got like shredded and uh, it was the worst I've ever felt in my life. <laughs> so it's yeah, a great example of that. So well, perfect. I appreciate you coming on so much. I think we've covered pretty much everything I had written down and more. You've given us so much information and so much things, so many things that people can use and take away from. Um, I'm going to link your book. I'm going to link the PDF that you send me in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to let people know that they can go check out where they can find you stuff like that? Yeah, you can find me on my website, drbeckycampbell.com. Um, I'm doing Instagram a lot more these days than Facebook. So at Dr. Becky Campbell, I do have a private Facebook page. I read support with Dr. Becky and you know, you can kind of ask questions in there. I try to answer them myself, but a lot of people just talk to each other. Um, and it's good, you know, for thyroid support, but I cannot answer. One thing I really like people know is don't send me your labs and stuff like that because I, I can't answer them without you being my patient. So that's the kind of thing I I'm just really like to put out there because I don't want people to get disappointed. But I write a ton of blogs on you know stuff you can do for yourself and I write recipes and everything I can try to do so you can do on your own. I love it. Well, once again, I'm going to link all that stuff in the show notes and thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the All-Inclusive Guide to Mastering Your Diet. It's going to teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book, not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. The next thing is going to be Functional Muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. 
That's exactly what this program does and it's great because it guides you through the process, it changes throughout the process, and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution. You also get access into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. That is the only way into the forum and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything and I will help guide you through the process. Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes charts. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys, and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys, I'll catch you next time.